you are asking for 15 minutes of my time, show me that you've spent 15 minutes of yours. So if you want to connect with someone on LinkedIn or at a company, make sure that it's not something generic. Hey, my name is Ariana, and as an immigrant, wife, young mother, and multi-passionate professional, I currently spend my days trying to figure out this crazy and unpredictable thing called life. After a few chaotic years learning from my mistakes in my early 20s, I've now struck that balance with full-time work at a fabulous tech company and a startup coaching business I run from home. So here we are, making the best of life curveballs and optimizing our opportunities. We talk about all things career, business, money, life, and mistakes and maybe even an after-hour conversation or two. So grab your coffee and pour your wine, and let's get inspired to embrace your weird, all while learning workshop style. The breakout session is about to begin. This is the Side Hustle Experience Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Side Hustle Experience. Today, I'm so excited because I have Madeline Mann with me. Wi-Fi, high five. Yes. <laughs> I, can't, I can't believe that I have her on the show. You should all and myself feel so lucky to have her. She's an amazing resource to learn all about job searching. And today, we're going to be talking about interviews and some resume tips as well, because I know a lot of you had tons of questions about that. So Madeline Mann, as I mentioned, she is an HR and recruiting leader who's known for her award-winning job search YouTube and TikTok channels. Self-made millennial. I love that name because it's just something that makes it resonate so much with everybody listening to the show. Men's job search coaching programs have led to thousands of success stories, and her work has been featured on ABC, Bloomberg, New York Times, and many more. I mean, could you have asked for anything more? Such an expert. I'm so happy to have her here. Uh, Madeline, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So excited to have you. So uh, I first want to just get started with listening about your story because a lot of people just get curious on, well, how did you start and what makes you an expert to chat about this? And as you know, the world of career coaching and career experts have just boomed throughout the years, but I'm somebody who loves to always listen from somebody who has at least the experience on a day-to-day, and I know that you have tons of it. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your career trajectory and your story? Absolutely. So I built my career as a human resources professional. I was someone who got a psychology degree, didn't know what the heck to do with that degree. All anyone tells you is that you can be a therapist. So I went through a unique process that ended up coining and making a proprietary process called a one-page career vision, ended up finding my perfect career in human resources, one that really played to my strengths and one that I loved doing every single day. Because I got so much energy from my job, I really loved working with hiring and building our teams in these companies. And I had a unique perspective into all of these interview debriefs of hearing exactly what these hiring managers were saying, who they were choosing, who they were rejecting. And one thing stood out, and that is if certain candidates just did things a little differently, they would have landed the job over others. And there were certain patterns that really made all the difference. And so I started writing all these things down. I started recording all of them. I started tracking them and reading all these resumes, noticing all these things across thousands of touch points. And I ultimately put out content in Self-Made Millennial and 
since doing that, it's been incredible. I mean, people have been saying that it's finally that actionable career content. It's very modern. It's very constantly dynamic and changing based on what is the current job market. And it's led to hundreds and hundreds and thousands of amazing messages and testimonials and success stories. And it's just been my absolute pleasure. Absolutely. Wow. That sounds so fascinating. But, you know, there's many avenues where we can go with our experiences to do different things to help others. Why do you think that you chose the career coaching path? It really chose me. I did not want to leave my job in human resources. I absolutely loved it. But because I was in a job that I loved so much, I had so much energy after work to build this content and to ultimately build a business. For the first two years of building this content, I didn't monetize any of it. I didn't have a coaching program. I didn't have anything to sell. But the demand became so high of people saying, I'm getting results with the free stuff you're giving me. Now I want your time. Now I want your deeper coaching. And I gave it to them. And then the success stories got astronomically better. And I realized that when I spent more time and I did this deeper coaching and I helped people a lot more that I was just making such a bigger impact on the world, I ended up leaving my job in human resources. Wow, that's so cool. And I do know that now you're doing this full-time, teaching people how to land the jobs left and right, going on to all these amazing publications just to make sure we all know that you exist out there. Aside from what you just mentioned, how do you know personally, knowing that you loved your job so much nine to five, that it was time to take it full-time? I built my company while I was at my job and it got to a point financially that I was making more money in my business than I was making in my great leadership role at a tech company. And so it wasn't a risk. It was actually, you know, because I had so much energy and this is what I talk about. So many people think that the goal is to be your own boss and work for yourself and all of that. But actually what allowed me to have such prosperity was because I loved my full-time job, because my full-time job energized me. And it made it so that there was this really smooth transition into something I loved. And I learned so much from my full-time jobs that it really opened me up to this whole new possibility. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I absolutely agree with that. I've been trying to steer people away from thinking that the nine to five mentality is toxic because I've seen that so much, especially on TikTok. And it's like, there's nothing wrong with liking your nine to five. Like, I love my nine to five and I shout it through the rooftops and it's totally okay to do that. But I also love how you have that path of working full time, building your side hustle, because it also teaches you that there's a lot of untraditional paths that you can also take aside from the nine to five, but just really don't buy into the mentality that you should not have a nine to five, that you should just be your own boss. People are happy at their nine to five and that's totally okay as well. And hey, if that wasn't the case, career coaches wouldn't exist, right? Because that's exactly where we teach them where to go, right? But it's just so interesting how this new generation just believes that, especially for us millennials, they're like, you have that old mentality of like working nine to five, you'll never get rich like that. But it's like, well, sometimes people just don't want to get rich. They just want to work, be happy and be able to survive, right? So I just love that story so much, Madeline. Thank you so much for sharing that. But, you know, in the beginning of our conversation, you mentioned how in your nine to five, working as a leader in tech and, and management for human resources, you notice a lot of common threats from a lot of these job seekers that if they would have done something differently, just a tiny little bit, they would have potentially gotten the job. Let's start when it comes to resumes, because for me, resumes are probably the most important touch point, right? Because without the resume, you don't get interviews. Without the interviews, you don't get jobs. So what is the number one common mistake you see job seekers make when it comes to their resumes? 
I completely agree that a resume is crucial. I mean, it makes the impression before you even walk in the door. The number one thing I see people doing wrong with their resume is so many of us are ambitious. We're multi-passionate. We've built lots of great skills over the course of our career or our schooling, and we put it all on there. We put all of it on our resume. And our resume is not a Wikipedia page. Our resume is not a list of everything that's happened with pretty reasonable accuracy. No, your resume is a sales page. It should only include the information that is going to get the company to buy. If you head over to the front page of my website, there's like a free resume workshop because this question that you asked me is the thing that time and time again, when I was looking at these resumes, that is the thing that they got wrong. It's not that they didn't have good skills. It's that they were emphasizing the wrong skills time and time again, not knowing exactly how to find the glory in their story, which is what I really work with people on both in the interview and the resume. So I'll share that with your listeners as well as that free class, because that has changed so many people's views on resumes. Absolutely. And Madeline is actually referring, it will all be linked in the show notes. So make sure that when you're done listening to the episode, you go ahead and check that out because I've seen Madeline's website and it's full of gems, amazing free resources that you can all tap into. Again, she gets people results just with her free stuff. Imagine what it could look like when you pay for her services, her time and undivided attention. I cannot even, I'm getting so excited just talking about it. I'm not sure if you can tell because it's just audio, but I'm smiling ear to ear, just listening to all these tips. Hey there. If you are enjoying the podcast, I would so much appreciate it if you could subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It would help the show reach more multi-passionate professionals, and it gives me feedback on what direction to take future episodes. I have linked a tutorial on how to do so in the show notes. Now, back to the episode. Now that you've told us one of the number one mistakes they make, what do you think is one step they can take to fix that? Because sometimes it's hard to kind of audit yourself and say, okay, is this important? Is this not? What do you think they can do to determine what to put on their resumes to begin with? What is so interesting is we've all been taught to start with our backgrounds. Is, okay, I'm going to look at my background and I'm going to write everything down. That's what my resume is going to be. No, you actually write a resume with the end in mind. So you write your resume based on the job description you're going for or the type of role you're pursuing. And so if you start there and work your way backwards of like, okay, what are they asking for? You know what's wild is your resume suddenly shrinks. Everyone has such trouble getting their resume to be one page, but that's because they start with all of the things they've ever done. If you start first with the job, your resume makes it to one page pretty easily. I'm not someone who's hardcore about if it needs to be one page or two page or whatnot. But what I'm saying is only provide the amount of information that is key for the company to make that decision. Absolutely. Thank you for that. I'm sure that many people will be able to finally have that aha moment because usually just those little tidbits of information makes them like, ah, that's what I was missing. I love that. So now let's say that somebody comes into the job interview. They have a stellar resume, of course, because the recruiter decided to call them. Then they still cannot get a job offer because then we have the skilled people who know how to write a really good resume, but then they're just not able to translate that when they're in person. And that's potentially one of the most important pieces, right? Like really translate it once in writing because you can look good on paper, but then if you don't show it, What are some of the things that you've seen throughout the years that people just don't get when it comes to job interviews? What's the number one mistake they make? Completely. Well, 
One of the things is people do not have their answer to tell me about yourself completely dialed in. And it's the same issue. They talk about their full background. They might even go back to their personal life and where they went to college and where they grew up. What's so important is to really dial that question in to where it's very precise, only giving them the information that makes them compelling to the hiring manager to the interviewer, whoever they're talking to. So I do have a worksheet of that, of exactly how to write that out, free worksheet on the front page of madelineman.com. But the second thing is, and this is what I've built my entire YouTube channel off of, I help people to answer the most common interview questions on my YouTube channel. And one of the things that I think that cuts through the noise the most is people don't understand why the company is asking certain questions. One of the biggest mistakes people make is they answer a question at face value without understanding the underlying question. And so if you're going into an interview saying, okay, I'm just going to try to answer these questions the best I can, you're likely not going to do very well. If you're instead going into the interview saying, okay, here are the three most important things that the interviewer needs to know about me, and I will make sure I work these into the way I talk about myself and make sure I'm conveying the right things, you are likely to ace that interview. Mm, I love that. And you know, there's another misconception that I would love to hear your opinion on. It's taking notes during the interview or asking follow-up questions. What are your thoughts on that? You should always bring notes into an interview. You should always take notes in an interview. I posted a TikTok about this the other day, and people were shocked that you could bring notes into an interview. Know that this is not a memory competition. In the corporate world, you should always be prepared for a meeting. You should have notes in front of you. You should have a document in front of you. That shows that you are someone who comes prepared, who really cares about this. And then when you're taking notes, you should absolutely be taking notes during the interview. They are giving you key information. I can't tell you how many times I've interviewed someone. I'm giving them detailed information about the business, about the role, and they're just sitting there nodding. And I know there's no way they're going to remember all these things. So it's like, why am I telling them this if they aren't going to actually use this information and then ask me deeper questions about this, ask others in the interview process deeper questions, come back in the next interview with a 90-day plan of how they see themselves working in this role, all of these things. So whatever kind of messed up perspective school gave us about not having notes or taking notes is just totally the complete opposite of what actually is true in the corporate world. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned something there that kind of just made me nod too. You're always pre-prepared. But that seems to be something that people just don't know how to do either when it comes to interviews. What is your go-to when you're coaching your clients on preparedness for the job interview? Let's say that they have something coming up or even before they get a job interview. What is the best way you think that they can prepare to impress? The way you prepare is going to determine whether or not you land the job. You know, just emphasize that again, that it really is not you sitting there and being able to like take questions at you. You should come in and be running the interview in a certain way, in the way you're asking certain detailed questions. So you should be looking at the company, looking at their website, their blog posts. There's so many interesting things that they post on their blog posts that you won't find anything else. Uh, Listening to earnings calls reading Glassdoor reviews, looking at what they're doing. If you have a job that it can be viewed from the outside, like if you're going into marketing, you need to be studying all the things that they're doing in marketing. If you're going into sales, like try to get in their sales pipeline, experience what it feels like to be sold to by them. If you're going to customer support, 
experience what it's like to ask a question to that team. Whatever it is, you better be studying it. And then also looking up your interviewers, reading about them on LinkedIn, as simple as what cities have they lived in? How long have they been at the company? All of these things will lead to very detailed questions in the interview that will make you stand out head and shoulders above other candidates. Love that. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. You know, sometimes people take for granted everything that's on Glassdoor and even just in a simple Google search. It's crazy how much information is out there. And also previous candidates have giving you all the answers in a silver platter by just giving you their experience, the type of questions they were asked. And it doesn't necessarily mean that that's the same exact questions you will be asked, but at least it gives you an idea of how that company works and how they think, their critical thinking behind their interview process. Absolutely. Thank you, Madeline, for that. I appreciate it. The one thing that I continue to hear all the time, well, how do I stand out? How do I stand out? There's just so many people applying. There's so many candidates putting in the resume at the same time. And say for recruiters, it's super tough for us to kind of stay on top of the pipeline for so many candidates. I know that there are certain people who have no referrals, who really don't know anybody in the company, and they still are able to stand out. What are some things that you have seen, some common threats that you've seen with your candidates, with your clients that they continuously do that brings them results? What's amazing is you can have a network of zero people. You can know absolutely no one, but with the right tools, the right approaches, and the right attitude, you can work your way into a company and never apply online. Most of my clients don't apply online. Most of them land jobs other ways. You can really basically skip that whole process because when you apply online, you're sending your resume to a database. There's no guarantee that a human is ever going to read that, especially in the private sector. And so what's so important here is it's not about knowing people. It's about getting to know people. So what you want to do is if you are looking to meet someone at a target company, you want to follow this quote that I absolutely love that I've heard mentioned quite a few times is if you are asking for 15 minutes of my time, show me that you've spent 15 minutes of yours. So if you want to connect with someone on LinkedIn or at a company, make sure that it's not something generic like, hello, Please let me know if there are any job openings. Here's my resume. Send it along. Okay, that obviously didn't show that you have taken the time to get to know this person at all. But if your message says something like, hey, I saw that we both majored in psychology and undergrad. It's so interesting that you took that and ended up becoming a UX designer. That's really a direction that I've been moving in. You know, I was hoping that we could connect possibly for 15 minutes so I could hear a bit about what it's like to work at XYZ company so I can get a sense of the culture because I'm interested in potentially making a career move. No worries if you don't have time. Uh, I'm wishing you all the best. You know, something like that where it's not like I just said something that was hyper complex about this person. I could not send that message to you. I could not send that message to most of the human population because it simply wouldn't be true. And so if you notice that your message couldn't be sent to most people, then congratulations, you're on the right track of sending these more customized, personalized messages that actually get responses. Wow. I love that. I would love to see where that quote came from because it's exactly something that I've been thinking about as a recruiter myself. I couldn't verbalize it. I'm like, what is it about these messages that it's just like, I just, 
archive, 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 because they literally look the same, exactly copy paste from every single person that I get through. And it's like, sometimes you have to understand that as a recruiter, I get so many messages and somebody who might, even if they're not a recruiter, they might not know you. They know that it's like, this person just copy pasted this from somewhere else. And why would I spend my time with a stranger to help them when they haven't even taken the time or the courtesy to know why they even want to chat with me as opposed to just getting something out of me? I think that's what makes those messages so icky because it's so obvious that you just want something out of that person. And something as simple as saying, hey, you both went to the same school or we are part of the same organization or I read an article that you wrote. It was so interesting. Just try to pick something out of that. And it literally takes you five seconds to do that. Quick Google search and you'll be able to find all that information at your fingertips. I love that so much, Madeline, because it just validates our feelings so much. It's like, what is it about this message that just doesn't make it attractive? And sometimes people say, well, people just want compliments for them. And it's not it at all. It's just that there's so many people coming at us at once that it's like, what's going to make you look different? What's going to make me know that you are going the extra mile to tell me that you really want this job or to tell me that you've done your due diligence? I mean, the amount of messages I get, hey, here's my resume. Can you try to see if there's something that matches my skills? Uh, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know your background. I don't know who you are. I have thousands of jobs that are currently open. It's really not intuitive and or very smart of me to spend my time that way of researching through thousands of roles to see if you're a match as opposed to you finding the job for yourself and say, hey, I found this. Here's the reason why I think I'm a match. Do the homework. Help me help you. I love this so much. This is like the most important nugget I'm going to get out of this for sure. And I'm sure many other people will as well because it gives them perspective. I was just on a live on TikTok last Friday and they asked me, why do recruiters ghost me all the time? And you know what I did? I was like, well, let me show you. I went onto my LinkedIn DM. I had 597 messages that I received within two days. I'm like, we don't want to do that, but it's a full-time job to sit here on this inbox and look message by message. So here's what you can do to make sure yours gets opened. I love that. I love that so, so much. Wi-Fi high five already. Yes, (laughs) I'm obsessed with that. Yes, exactly. There's so much noise. The problem is one of the most detrimental things that's happened to the job search is online applications. It's so easy for anyone to apply. And the issue is, is that you, wonderful person who's listening right now, you are qualified. You are exceptional. You have tremendous value. But for every one of you there are, there are at least 80 people who did not read the job description, who are completely unqualified, who, because it costs no money or anything like that to just hit the easy apply button on LinkedIn or to pop a resume through to several hundred job openings, they are now burying your resume. So your resume is either going to go one of two ways. Either the recruiter is going to eventually get to your resume after going through many others. So it might take a while, or you might just by luck of the draw, you know, be top of the pile. Or while the recruiter is talking to other people who've come in through different routes or who have come across their desk other ways, you might just not get the opportunity because you've just been completely buried. And so it's so tough because the wonderfulness of the accessibility to these job applications is so great, but there's absolutely no filtering by most people who apply in a way where these roles are completely flooded 
Absolutely. Well, Madeline, you have just given us so many actionable tips. I absolutely love all of your tidbits and gold nuggets, but there's something else that I love to ask all of my guests before we wrap up. And that is, if you could talk to baby Madeline, what would you say to her and why? I would say that we are only measured by our successes and not our failures. If you look at my resume, you don't see all of the jobs I applied to and didn't get it. You don't see all of the interviews I made to the final round and then it went to someone else. You don't see all of the news outlets who didn't put me on their channels. You see only the ones that did. And so you see only the jobs that I secured and were amazing. And so we write our own stories. And that's what I really work with people on is finding the glory in your story. It's not about woe is me. Oh, there's all these bad things that have happened in my career or, or things that might make me not perfect. You are perfect. You have amazing skills and you're measured by only the good things in the job search process, which is actually extremely empowering. So really like leave behind the negativity, leave behind the feelings of rejection, which we all have. I've been rejected so many times. I've been laid off. I've been terminated. I've been all of those things. And you leave it behind and you measure yourself by your successes. And that's when your glory really shines through. I love that. I'm sure every little baby out there listening to this podcast should take that for themselves. Madeline, again, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day to be here with us and giving us access to your amazing background, your experience, and all the nuggets that you gave us. Anywhere that we can find you, because I want to make sure that everybody just kind of floods and chases you, run, don't walk, because Madeline has just given us just a little bit of what the amazing experience that she has. So where can we find you? Head over to my website, madelineman.com. On there, you'll find all these free resources, free follow-up email templates, the Tell Me About Yourself worksheet, and that free resume workshop. Also, follow me on LinkedIn. You can find me on there, Madeline Man. Look for the oranges and the orange background. And of course, make sure you subscribe to Self Made Millennial on TikTok and on YouTube. Amazing. You heard it from the best here. Thank you, Madeline. Appreciate you. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. And I hope that it served you well. If you enjoyed it or found it to be something that resonated with you, share that takeaway with me over on Instagram so that the community can also see it. And if you tag me at Side Hustle Experience, I will be sure to reshare it. Your support and feedback means the world to me. I hope to have you back on the next episode at the same time, same place. Over and out.